All right, three to seven can go. Everybody open your Bible to Mark chapter five. Mark, guess, chapter five. How many of you how many of you woke up this morning with just an excited great anticipation to be here today? Amen. Right. Six the six of you that have man, that encourages me because this is a revival message. Maybe it won't be for nothing. Man, I I tell you I got to preach <clears throat> a revival at Wales First Baptist this week and not just that, but in the weeks past, the Lord's really been dealing with me in my life and changing a lot of the whole hardness in my heart. And I'm, I'm so excited right now just about the Lord. And uh, I was excited when I woke up this morning, actually yesterday and all that, just to uh, just to be here. Not just to preach, but just to be with y'all and, and fellowship. And I just encourage you, you know, we're kind of trying to come back to a place where our church is biblical and uh, one of the most important aspects of that is just your fellowship with one another you ought to you ought not get out of here today without encouraging somebody or praying with somebody or sharing the gospel with somebody um so if you're if you're a visitor here today and somebody asks you if you know jesus don't be offended because you're you know you're at church okay so i always i want to encourage y'all that you that you take an opportunity to uh, to get out of your own selfish desires, and that you come here to give and uh, and offer the Lord worship and uh, fellowship and encourage people. Once you look in Mark chapter five, if you if we have one more time, if you'll stand with me. We're going to start doing that. I want to honor the Lord's word to the best of our ability <clears throat> as we read it. Mark chapter five verse one says, "Then they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes, and when he had come out of the boat." talking about Jesus, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. No one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had pulled apart by him, and the shackles broken in pieces, neither could anyone tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him, and he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you, or I beg you, <clears throat> by God, that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of that man, unclean spirit. And then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered, saying, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I love you, God. Thank you so much for uh, just this time, this day, Lord, that we have to to uh, to bring our hearts and our minds back into truth. Uh, God, it's so deceiving out in that world. Um, 
with so many things to distract us from what's real. Uh, God, I just thank you for this group of people. Lord, love them. I thank you for allowing me to be a part of this group, God. Uh, just pray that you bless them today. And, uh, Lord, that you would open our hearts to to hear your word. Uh, Lord, you're so worthy of our attention and our praise. And we thank you that you pay attention to us, God. We thank you that you left heaven to come here and identify with sinners to to give us life or we didn't do anything to deserve that jesus i thank you that you bless us god the life that you give us the restoration and uh, god just pray that you would just move here in a mighty way today in our hearts god and just pray you come and wrestle us and win in jesus name amen now y'all be seated <clears throat> you know I got a few things. You ought to write some notes to your Bible because there's so, some good stuff here in this passage of Scripture um, that you need to you need to make note of. I, you know, I've been pastor now, how long? I think about 20 years, and and trying to study the Bible, study the Bible, and and I've, I don't know, I've probably read this thing honestly, you know, hundreds of times in this passage of Scripture, and then this week when I was studying it, there was something else there that I totally missed, and it, it's awesome, and it changes everything for me in this passage of Scripture, so it's good for you to take notes if God speaks to you and write it down, because later on you're just building on that, and uh, so I'm going to kind of hit around the one thing I want to point out, okay, in, in chapter 5 and verse 1 it says, that then they, he's talking about the disciples and Jesus, they were on the, the sea there, it said they came to the other side of the sea to the country of the Gadarenes. Now I want you to think about this, one of the things you see in the, in the, um, in the New Testament as you're reading on the life of Jesus is that, that is awesome is he's just always on the move. You know, there was times where he rested but, but everything in his life was, I guess you would say it was precisely um, thought out by him. He was always looking for and going to those people who who needed him. And every, I know everybody needs him. The sad thing is not everybody realizes it. I, am, I don't know for sure, but this, later on it says this dude was crying out. You know, in the mountains day and night he was crying out. And I don't know if he was crying out to God, but I believe Jesus heard that cry. And so when nobody else listened to the cry, Jesus went to him. Think about how just in that, we could preach just on that, but think about how much the Lord loves you in the fact that he was, I don't know if you ever rode a boat, you know, but when you get out and you start paddling and rowing boat, they had to row, you know, 12, 12 disciples in Jesus across this huge body of water just to go to one man. And, and you might go, oh, you know, that's not exciting to me. It would be if you were that one man. Right. It would be if your child was that one person that Jesus is always looking for. And I, and I just praise God that he's always moving and he's always looking to do something and he always wants to to uh, reach out to people. And one of the things I wanted to show you, we're going to kind of jump around a little bit in this text, but look down in verse 18, or verse 19, very important part of this text, and this is the part that I missed. It said, however, Jesus did not permit him, the man wanted to go with him, verse 18, after he had healed him, cast that devil out. He said, when he got into the boat, uh, he who had been who who had been demon possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said, "Go home to your friends and tell them the great things the Lord has done for you, and how He has had what compassion on you." That's what moves him. 
Man, shouldn't that be what moves us? Shouldn't we be so filled with God's Spirit and God's love because of what He's done in our life that, that, that it moves us when you even hear of somebody. This thing is doing that crackling again. I feel like I'm preaching on Rice Krispies. But, <laughs> but anyhow, you know, when we even hear of somebody who is in a situation, and this, this man obviously was in a horrendous situation, but, but when you hear of somebody, are you moved with compassion to go, I just gotta go, and I gotta, I gotta help this person, I gotta give them the hope that I have in Jesus, or I gotta go help them in this, this area of their life where they have, you know, going on, and I want so much to, to go to them. That's compassion, and that's a compassion that should be placed within your heart if you're a born again believer. You know, if you don't have that compassion, one of two things, you're not born again, or your heart's really hardened. And to be honest with you, I've had a lot of times in my life, here recently, where my heart's been so hard and compassion was the furthest thing from my mind. You know, honestly, over the last year, if, if I heard about a man like this, I might have rode across the sea, but it'd be over to knock him in the head with a stick. And, y'all with me? Sometimes we get that way. But anyhow, to the message, I want to look at, look at this man because one of the things the Lord showed me was very, uh, very disturbing and eye-opening, because this might be a little bit difficult message for you this morning, but stay with me, it'll get better. It says in verse 2, when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him a man, notice how it describes this man, out of the tombs, so he was living, you know, in the cemetery among dead people, with an unclean spirit, he was possessed by an un- a multiple unclean spirits. Later when he asked him his name, he said, my name is Legion, that was a, a, a Roman uh, in the Roman military, 6,000. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean he had 6,000 devils in him, but it was multiple, multitude of demons within him that was influencing him and, and controlling him. And so anyhow, so he was, he was possessed by, by unclean spirits who had his dwelling place among the tombs. No one could bind him. He was a very wild man, vicious man. Not even with chains because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. Notice how the people are trying to control him. That's religion. Religion tries to control you. Jesus sets you free. That's good stuff right there, man. He broke him and, and, and notice what he did always, night and day. He wasn't sleeping. He was in the mountains, in the tombs, crying out, cutting himself. So you see a man here who is, who is very violent, a man who is obviously just, you know, destroyed inside. He's trying to destroy himself on the outside. Very miserable, out of control <clears throat> type person. And when I've read this before, you know, I always, I kind of just get, I get a picture of people like that when I'm reading and, uh, what he, what he might have been like. But the thing that I missed, and, and this is where it's a good message for the church is in, in verse 18, he says, When he got to the boat, he went to the demon-possessed. The man who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but he said to him, Notice what it says here on the line of this for you. Go home to your friends. This dude wasn't always like that. He wasn't born this way. There was a point in time in his life he was just like us. He was just a regular. He had a home. Probably had a family. You know, he had friends. Social life. Average person. You wouldn't have stood out in the crowd and go, oh man, that dude's always been nutty. No, no, he was just like me and you. And when you look at that, this is a, this is a very strong warning for me and you. Now understand and clarify this. If you're a born again believer, you can't be demon possessed, but you can be highly influenced. The Bible talks about how, how the devil builds a stronghold. Spiritual warfare. If spiritual warfare is not real to you, you've already lost the battle. 
because it's very real. We're going to see this morning. But but just because you're a believer, do not think that you cannot be highly influenced and under the influence of demonic spirits in your mind, in your thought process, and even in your actions. Because that's exactly what the devil wants to do. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your testimony, make you miserable. And you know, as I was looking at this, I thought there's been times in my life where I have absolutely 100% been influenced by unclean spirits just through the choices that I've made. And you have too. And you know people who have, and I'm fixing to show you that. We don't recognize it as that, but until you recognize it, then you won't battle it in the right way. And so this was a man... He was an average person, okay? And, and what happened? How did this man go from having a home, having friends, having a normal life? You know, he was a normal, you know, American citizen. Anyhow, and now all of a sudden you see him, he's over here on the opposite end of the scale. And, you know, he's wild. Another passage of scripture said he was running around with no clothes on. He was, he was living among the dead, howling and crying at nighttime. He was be somebody we were going to do. is insane. You know, his brain is fried, but it really wasn't. It was just under the influence of, of, of something that he had opened the door to. And this is why I want you to tune in. Somewhere along the way, this dude opened a door to a demonic spirit in his life. I know this is, like, this is not a Baptist message. Yes, it is. It's a Bible message, okay? And he opened this door, and I'm going to prove what I'm saying to you. He opened his door to this demonic spirit in his life. And this man was lost at the time, and so it, it took possession of him, all right? But then, then that opened the door to another, and another, and another, till it brought him from being a normal person over here to being totally 180 degrees of what he was to start with. Think about this. What did, what did the Lord say? You remember back when in Genesis, where Cain and Abel, you know, Adam and Eve, two sons, they had uh, brought an offering to the Lord. Cain obeyed God and offered up a uh, a lamb as a sacrifice, and God accepted his sacrifice. And then Cain offered up the fruit of the ground. He 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 brought what he thought he wanted to his own way. Okay, and the Lord rejected it. God doesn't accept our way. Okay, He accepts His way. He makes a way for us to offer His way. Long story short, <clears throat> Cain gets all upset about it and he's he's mad and all this so God in his mercy comes to Cain and he warns him and he says why is it that your countenance has fallen you know he was all mad he's mad at God mad at Abel and everything basically mad at God and, and he said why is your countenance changed you know haven't I haven't I showed you you have an opportunity here to do what's right to offer it up and he said do what's right and then he said this because sin lies crouched at the door and his desire is to have you. You can look at that theme through the Bible, and, and this is absolutely there. There, and you can open that door as a believer. Listen to me. And that door is here's the way Satan works. Okay, he uses our sinful nature. You, you you're going to have a sinful nature the rest of your life, even as a believer. You got your flesh and your spirit. Your spirit is holy, okay? Because it's God's spirit within you. That's why you can't be possessed, okay? House can, divided cannot stand, Jesus said. But in your mind, and in your life, and in your choices, the devil's always tempting you, and testing you, and trying to cause you to fall to that temptation. And that's what that door is, okay? 
It is knowing the truth, knowing God's way, knowing what's right, and all of a sudden when you, it, and it can be anything in your life. Listen, it don't have to be, we always want to go to, you know, alcohol or drugs or some what we look as really dark sin, but, but it's any sin because all sin has its ending and that ending is destruction and death. And so when, when you have that come along, you know, and all of a sudden you, you, you give to that, you compromise, it, all it takes is just a little bit. You know, you can open a door by, you know, looking through your phone. That's why I say protect your kids from a phone because you know what? If a, if a kid comes across something on a phone, don't you think the devil don't work that way? And all of a sudden that kid opens the door. Here's, here's the thing. We don't know what's on the other side of that door. We don't know what that's going to be because one door opens to another door to another door to another door and it takes you further, further away until you go from having, being, you know, a normal to all of a sudden you're on the far opposite end of self-destruct scale. I have seen as a pastor, I see it a lot with people. And again, let's not, let's not go, yeah, yeah, I know, I know people who, you know, one time they opened the door by, you know, maybe it was just a, we opened they smoked a joint, they had one drink, and those are true, okay, that's why I say quit, don't, don't be drinking, it's not, it's not righteous, okay, but, but we all think I have one drink, all you do is you open a door, and you know you open a door to a spiritual warfare, a demonic attack in your life that you have no idea where it's going to lead you. And once you open one door, it's easier to open another door. And, and all of a sudden, you've got demonic spirits influencing your mind, your thoughts. And, and what they're doing is they're taking your life out to a different direction. And, and I'll say this. Um, the next thing you know, you're, you're bound up. And you are no longer in control because they have control of your thoughts and they have control of your life. And say, so give me an illustration. I believe this. I believe that, and this is just my belief, I believe that the greatest tool that Satan uses in the United States of America to bring people to this is the desire for riches, the love of money, covetousness, okay? Because it's so deceitful. There's a lot of people in here who go, I would never think about drugs. I would never, you know, go the, go the way, you know, I never rob somebody or steal somebody. But you would look at something and desire it that you don't need. Right? Let's be real. I'm, I'm going to preach to myself this morning. All of a sudden, you weigh it out and you look and go, ah, and the Lord's like, you don't need that. You, you don't need that. I'm not talking, I'm not even talking about something bad. I'm just talking about something we don't need. Something that's going to cause me to compromise in my walk with the Lord, in my time with my family, in my service to Jesus, in my lifestyle that I live. And I look and I covet it just like Eve did the fruit. She saw that it was pleasant to the eyes. She desired it was good. And she reached out and she took it. And there are so many things. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. And when Jesus gives the parable of the of the sower, remember the the four seeds. One of the one of the seeds there was the thorns. It said the seed fell among thorns, okay, and the thorns grew up and it choked it out. What was that seed he was talking about? He says it. He said it's the cares and the riches of this world that chokes the seed of the gospel, the life, the spiritual life, chokes it out. And I'll be honest with you, over the last couple of years, I feel like I've been choked to death. Over some stupid 
decisions I made and doors that I have opened just to go, you know what? It's nice not living week to week and so I'll do this and then I'll do this and another compromise and another compromise and you don't leave me hanging out by myself and the next thing you know, here's what happens. When you go to reach for those things, Lord, like, don't, don't do that. Trust me. Trust my way for you. Don't get caught up in all this stuff and all the cares and all the business and all the activities and all the things you know you don't need. But you, you, you know, you do like Cain. You ignore God and all of a sudden you start reaching for that life and you reach for that stuff and you reach for that, that lifestyle and that desire and it's just a desire of our flesh. It's not something of the spirit. It has nothing to do with the kingdom. I think one of the good questions we need to ask is before we make a decision, what does this have to do with the kingdom? Okay? But so many things in my life I have, I have reached and here's what happens. When you reach, you're shackled. Man, I believe the devil just goes boom. And you know what? When you're shackled, all of a sudden you're 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 being led by 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 what you're a prisoner to. And it can be it, hey, it can be drugs, and it can be alcohol, and it can be lust, and it can be all. There's a million different. He's very creative. Things he can come on lie. But for me, but for me, one of my biggest areas is like I have to be careful that I just don't want stuff, or that I don't want just more comfortable living, or that I you know. You have this, and so, you know, I want to have it. Or shouldn't I have it because they have it? And the next thing you know, we're reaching, and man, those chains just, and they just wrap you up. And here's the thing. You'll notice that people tried to chain him and shackle him, and he broke, he broke the chains, he broke the shackles, so physically, he was not bound. If you looked at him, like, he's not bound physically. Isn't that what you do with other people? That's how you decide whether or not what you want is good because you look at other people and you're like, they seem to be happy. They seem to be, you know, so I'm going to, you know, and I thought about several different scenarios where I've actually seen this happen over life with people where someone's like, I want to be out of this marriage. I want to be free. And the Lord's like, don't do that. You know, don't do that. Don't open that door in your life. You know, especially two believers, come on, reconcile. And both humble yourselves. And I know it takes two. So I'm, I'm not condemning anybody here if you're divorced. But, but I think everybody here would have to agree. Divorce is not God's way and it's not good. God wants your marriage to last forever. And there's a way that He designs for us to be able to do that. And it works. His way is always good. But sometimes we just go, mm-mm. No, I'm going to be free. And, and in stepping through that door, Physically, you might look free, but from my experience of talking to people, very tormenting. And it's the same way with you know any and everything in our life where we go, you know what? I want to, I want better for my family. I want better for my children. I don't want them to have to go through what I went through. So you know what? I'm willing to, I'm willing to sacrifice to where I can't be. You know, I'm I'm not just. Talking about church, but I'm talking about I'm going to sacrifice where you know I, I know that I can't be at church and I know I can't serve the Lord and I can't have my family there and, and I you know I'm going to have to compromise in my because here's where it goes not just church it opens another door for you to go now I don't have time to to spend time with the Lord and study and and this, this is what it, just tell you with me you know I, I compromise here and then it opens another door and then and then here's I, I can't even sit here and study because all I'm thinking about is all the stuff I got going on. 
And you know, and, and now that I've got stuff, I've got to take care of my stuff. I can't just, you know, I can't focus on going and, and doing what God has for me that's good and edifying and, and, and it's what God's designed us to, to be a part of. I can't even enjoy the things I used to enjoy now. Why? Because, because I've got to, you know, mow the bigger yard and take care of the falling apart new house and I've got to, you know, dry, you know, wash the new truck and I got to take care of the boat and, and now, you know, I, I, I don't hunt on small anymore. I've got to have bigger land and, and so, and all of a sudden you look up, you're leaving me hung out to dry. Come on. You're going to tell me you want me to call you out this morning? You do the same thing. I've known you for 20 years, okay? Come on. And I'm sitting here, y'all judging me. I feel it. <laughs> but, here's the, but here's the thing. I come to a point, even in this last year, you know, and I, I come to a place. I, I'll be honest with you. Ministry is not, you know, <laughs> ministry is not cake icing. By any means, I love y'all, and I love serving the Lord, but sometimes it gets frustrating. And if you take your eyes off of Jesus and you put it on some of the negative things, all of a sudden you develop a critical spirit. And I left one Sunday, been, you know, a little while back, and I, I'll tell you what I said, cause I, you can fire me if you don't like it, you know, I, whatever, but, but we left, and I got a truck, and I looked at her, and I said, you mean to tell me this is what God wants me to sacrifice my life for? He wanted me to give up my dreams and my plans and all the things that I wanted to do with my life. He wants me to cut down on how I live. He wants me to do this so that I can walk out of here feeling like I feel this morning. This is what it's about. That's what I said. Now, I'm not saying that was right. But you know what that caused? You know what I did? I just went, I'm going to open this. And I told her, I said, I ain't doing it. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what I want to do. And I'm going to show up and preach on Sunday because that's obviously what a lot of people just want. And I'm going to go about my life. And all of a sudden, I opened the door, and I went about my life. And I started adding to, and I started going, I'm going to live for me, and then I'm going to live for Jesus. And he actually says in his word, no man can serve two masters. You can't serve God and riches. I'm not telling you, I went chasing after money. I just started doing what I wanted to do. And started living, started gearing my life for after what I thought was going to make me happy. And you know what happened? It come up here, you know, and last little bit, I'm like, I am imprisoned. Miserable. I've never had a more miserable year in my life, spiritually empty. And I was like this dude, I was just crying out, God, what in the world is going on? Because I don't care about this stuff. This is not what I'm living for. And that's what happens. All of a sudden you think that, that, that you, it's going to do something for you or give you something that you're looking for. And the next thing you know, you're just, you're in prison. You're chained to it. You know, and then you can't escape it. Like, how in the world do you get here? Because this is not what I want. And, uh, and so I was there and, and, uh, you can, Judge me if you want to, whatever, you know. But I've seen a lot of people do that in areas of their life. And especially, and that's why I hate the way this culture is. You remember the story of Achan, you know, in the Old Testament where the Lord told Joshua to go into battle. And, and uh, he was going to use Israel as a judgment upon an ungodly city. And he told him, don't take anything. When you go in here, everything here belongs to me so you don't spoil the people. You know, and all of a sudden they, they won the battle and then the next battle they lost. And Joshua came to the Lord and said, well, you know, what happened? And, and, cause they, they had defeat in their life and they had lost and they suffered through it. And, and, and all of a sudden Joshua praised the Lord and he said, you know, get up from there and you go through the camp because somebody disobeyed me. 
And long story short, they go through the camp and there was a man named Achan. And he, while they were in the battle, he had, he had seen all it was. Think about this. All it was. A Babylonian garment, a wedge of silver. I think it was something else. Anybody remember? Anyhow, it was at least those two. That he had taken. He coveted it. And he took it and he hid it in his tent. And it, it brought defeat over the entire nation. Isn't that what we do? It's like, this is no big deal. What's the, they can't probably like me. It's like, what's the big deal? It's just a Babylonian garment. God don't need this garment. Boy, I want it. And he totally disobeyed God and he opened up a door. And the wedge is silver and he's like, nobody will know. Don't we do that? Nobody in my church will know. Nobody in my family will know. Nobody in my community will know. It's just one little thing. What's the big deal? And all of a sudden you suffer a huge defeat in your life. (laughs) It's because you made that one compromise and you opened the door to a devil to pounce on you. And the next thing you know, Satan has built a fortress. The Bible calls it a stronghold. Whether it's in your mind, whether it's in your marriage, whether it's in your in your family or, or in your finances or whatever it is because one simple little thing that I didn't think would be that big a deal and it turns into a huge deal and the next thing you know you're not free anymore. You're bound and you are so bound by that and you are miserable. Y'all with me? And so this is this is where it gets really good. If you're here today I just want to tell you this. If you're here today and you're going to identify something in your life where you go, that's where I'm at. I'm bound. I want so bad to be. I mean, if you can look at your life and go, it's exactly how I want it. And, and we, but, but here's what I ask you. Do you have what the Bible says? I have joy unspeakable, full of glory. And I'm, and I'm excited about Jesus. And I'm filled with God's love. And my desire is to reach other people. And, and, I'm, and my life is, I'm being used by the Lord. And I can see God move in our lives and blessing us in, in, in ways that has nothing to do with monetary gain or anything like that. Because, you know, when I was looking at my life, that was what was driving me crazy. I'm like, I don't have that, Lord. I used to have that. But I don't have that now and I can't stand it. How can you stay there if you're a believer? I don't, I don't get that. Where you, you look at your life and go, I don't have joy unspeakable full of glory. And I, I don't see God moving me, you know, and, and walking with Jesus and I wake up in the morning so excited about the Lord. I have that now. I'm so thankful, man. Mm. Burn that junk. And I had to make some changes to get there, but I'm glad I did. But anyhow. If you don't have that, how can you stay miserable where you're at? Thank you, buddy. And uh, so anyhow, if you're here this morning and you're bound, oh man, there's good news because Jesus is he's coming. He's moving, man. And uh, look in verse uh, 6, it says, notice what happens. He, this dude's cutting, cutting himself, he's crying out. He might not have been crying out to God, but here's what's awesome. There's a lot of people that are crying, and you ain't necessarily crying to the Lord, but the Lord's looking at you. He's hearing you. And so he, he goes to him when nobody else would go, when everybody else wanted to avoid him. That's the difference between a lot of modern churches and Jesus. A lot of modern churches just want to avoid. And Jesus said, this is what I came to do. Let's go. I got to I'm sorry, Nick and Starla's here today, and my wife and something, John and Casey, I'm not sorry they're here, but they were at the, uh, they were at the, and I almost said funeral, no, they were at the revival. But I do want to share this for the rest of you, because it's just something God brought to my mind. I thought, man, and Willie, I told Willie, 
It would have been so, can you imagine what it would have been like walking with Jesus? How, how different it would have been than, you know, the modern way we do modern church. And, you know, Jesus just, he was out there. He was with the people and his church was walking with him, following him. If you'd have been one of the disciples, <clears throat> you know, you'd have, you'd have had to see, seen him healing people and you'd have been like, man, this is incredible. And you had to see after a while, it started building, you know, a multitude of crowd walking with him. And I think, you know, he, he, there's times, you know, like the Jews, they avoided sinners, so called, and, and those questionable people and unclean people and all that stuff. And so when they'd have been walking down the road and they saw somebody over here, who was a you know a sinner that kind of woman or man or whatever you know naturally the Jews would have, even the disciples would have like let's let's look away let's not look over there because we're holy and you know they, all of a sudden they glance and they catch somebody in the corner and here goes Jesus man he's going to those people and the crowd stops like what is he doing and I you know the story of the of the leper you know the leper you know the crowd would not be coming and and the leper would have been hollering unclean unclean. If you ever seen somebody leprosy, it's horrific. You know, it's just rotten flesh is what it is. And foul odor, I would imagine. And, and so this man believes in Matthew chapter 8, unclean, unclean. But, but all of a sudden, you know, as the crowd's going their way, you know, Jesus goes away from, it's sad if Jesus has to go away from the church to accomplish what he was doing. And he goes over and, and he sees this leper and the leper says, I know you can make me clean, you know, if you will. Jesus said, I will. And he touched him. Can you imagine standing there following Jesus like, what in the world is he thinking? He's going to get leprosy. And he takes him. I don't know if you hug him. I just want to say, what if he, what if he did? What if he just grabbed that man and embraced him? And you're watching and you see Jesus and all of a sudden when he steps away, you see that man just totally healed, normal. You would have been like, that is awesome! That's who we serve. That's who Jesus is. If we could catch that in the church today, we wouldn't sit here and, and sing so quiet that I couldn't hear you through the glass doors. It would be a, it would be a holy roar. Man, if we, if we saw him for who he is, but anyhow, he comes to this dude, I gotta get you out of here. He comes to this man, and, and notice in verse, uh, six, when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and he worshipped him. That word there means he bowed down. I believe the man ran and I believe the demon bowed. He has to. This is not on the context of my message, but i got to give it to you because it's so good. Everywhere that a devil comes in contact with Jesus in the New Testament, they have to bow. They have to bow. Every time they bow. Know that you're the Son of God. They proclaim who He is, alright? See, you think about this. Because cause it's been about a week ago or so, me and Kristen was riding and Monday. So you know how my Mondays go. And it was just one of them mornings where the devil just roamed me. And I've come to a point after I read this, I, I said to Kristen, I said, you know what? I think the devil wants to listen to some worship music. She's like, what? And I said, oh, he does. And we're fixing to make him bow. Ooh, I turned that dude all Because here's the thing. The Bible says, God inhabits the praise of His people. The next time the devil starts, you're, 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 you're on you, just start praising God. There's so much power. And I want to say, so much power on worship when we bow before the Lord. We begin to praise the name of Jesus. You know what the devil has to do? He's like, oh man, I got a bow. And I'm like, get down! You know? It's awesome. It's awesome if you think about that. They can't stand us where they go, you know what, I'm going to bow and then I'm going to leave. Say, so, yeah, you sure are. Get out of here. And that's what he did. It's awesome. Christian, like, Dad, that's awesome. You got to tell the church. I was like, I know it. I love to see people stomp the head of the snake. That's right. And so he bows down. And here's what happens. Say, 
you talking about your life and all that? You know, what do you, what do, you do to fix it? I, I tell you what I did. I ran to Jesus and I bowed. I had to, I had to humble myself and bow and go, Lord, what I'm, what I'm doing, what I'm living, how I'm, how I'm going about my life, totally wrong. It's totally wrong, Lord, and I'm, I'm bound right now. I'm telling you, God, whatever you want to take away, the things that you show me, I need to put out in my life. I'm putting them out. You know what, whatever it takes, God, I just, I want to be where I'm just where you are. I want to be in your presence. I want to have your spirit. I want to be filled with love. I want to be filled with joy. I want to have my passion back. I want to have my purpose. But more than anything, God, I just want to see you and I want to know you and I want to figure out who you are and the way that you see me and I just want to fellowship with you, God. And so any of, any of this stuff, anything in my life, Lord, that you want to take away, please, God, take it away. We've done, we've done some of that. We're going to get, we're going to do a bunch more of it. But, but here's the thing. When you back what happens? He cried out with a loud voice. He said, what do I have to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you. I beg you. The demons beg you. I beg you. By God, do not torment me. For he, Jesus said to him, come out of that man, unclean spirit. You see, when the man bowed, Jesus dealt with the spirit. Man, if you're here today, you say, how does God set you free? When you, when you, when you run to Jesus and you bow to him, I'm not just talking about just... You know, at the altar. I'm talking about, I bow my life to you. This is, this is not what I want. And I'm, you are the Lord. Whatever you say in the Lord's life, now I'm going to take responsibility. Now I'm going to take this, this situation and I'm going to show you what I can do. And he deals with the devil. Woo! He fights our battles. This says, and he answered and said, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would send him out of the country. Now a large herd of swine or pigs was feeding near the mountains. So all the demons, I love, all the demons begged him. Let's say that again. All the demons begged him. Don't ever think that the devil has any kind of power in the name of Jesus. Send us to the swine. They had to ask permission that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. We won't go into why. Then the unclean spirits went out, entered into the swine. There were about 2,000, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. That's the devil's plans for you. That's the, I, I'm, I just saw that. Get this. That was the devil's plans for my life, and the Lord intervened. That's, the, that's what he had plans for us. He wanted to drive me down into the depths of hell, and Jesus like, I think I'm going to take control of this because you surrendered to me. Now I'm going to take care of this for you. And he, he got a whole different life. Ain't that good? Verse 14, so those who, those who fed the swine fled and they told it in the city and in the country and they went out to see what it was that happened. And then they came to Jesus and they saw the one who had been, I love that, who had been, ain't, ain't no more, who had been demon possessed and had the legion. Notice what he was doing. He was sitting, he just rested. He was just sitting with Jesus. What were they talking about? Can you imagine? What would you be talking about? If you was that man and God totally... Some of you are that man. What do you talk to the Lord about? He didn't say, hey, you know what, Jesus, we need to call Jeremy and get him to come lead some worship and we need to give him an invitation and, and ask Brother Randall to preach a message. It was just him and the Lord. 
Can you imagine that? He was in his right mind, clothed, totally, immediately. That's the same thing that happens to you at the moment that you trust Jesus as your Savior. Immediately you are changed. Your life has been transformed. And you are sitting there with the Lord. What do you talk about? I tell you, I'd be, I wouldn't be sitting. I'd have been on my face going, God, you are so good. I didn't deserve this, Lord. Nobody else cared. Nobody else came. Nobody else did anything. But, Lord, you came and you saved me. Ain't that good? Man, that's good. Clothing and in his right mind. There's a lot of people, God's people, who are not in their right mind. Oh, then you notice what it says. Let me find a place. And it, they went out to see what blah, 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 blah. Okay, here we go. It says, he was clothed in his right mind and they were afraid. When's the last time somebody saw your life and feared the Lord? So that was in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And so is Jesus. When's the last time as a believer God so transformed your life, so did something in your life that people saw and walked away and went, man, that's crazy. No doubt. I, I, I knew that person. I watched him. I saw him. You know, and they said, all of a sudden, man, they, they're not the same person. Fear the Lord coming on people. Maybe I, maybe I need to get right. If it's, if that's not happening, you know what's happening? We're under the influence. They began to beg and plead him to depart from the region. And let's finish right here. I'm going to get you out of here. It says, again, it was the third time we read it. And when he got to the boat, he who had been demon possessed begged him that he might be with him. You know what Christianity is all about? Man, when's the last time you begged God, God, oh God, just take me with you. I don't, I, I don't care what you want for my life. This is such a beautiful illustration of salvation. I, I don't care what you want for my life. I don't even know where you're going, Lord. I don't know where you're carrying me. I, but I just don't want to be here no more. I want to be with you. God, can I just be with you? He didn't say, Lord, what's the purpose for my life? What's the plan? What would you have for me to do for you? You know, God, do, do I really have to go to church on Sunday night too? I mean, come on. He's like, Lord, can I, Lord, can I just go with you? I'm, I want to be with you. You're the one. You're the one, Lord. And I, I want to go on the Lord's side. I got something I want you to do. I want you to go to a foreign country where nobody knows you, where nobody knew how you was, so that you can put on a whole different act. And he said, I want you to go home. I want you to go home. Where does my, where does my mission feel star? I want you to go home to the people who knew you best. I want you to go home to the people who knew you as normal. Then they saw you go to the opposite end of the scale. And all of a sudden, here you are. You're not the same normal anymore. You're way better. You're a whole new person. And I want you to tell them, and I want you to tell your friends. Tell them what? Tell them, you know, discuss theology with them. You know, whether or not Calvinism or true is Calvinism or not. Let's argue about the rapture and when it's going to be. Let's talk about is this right or that right. I just want you to tell them how good God has been to you. I want to show you I want how much compassion He's had on you. And notice what he did. He departed and he began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for them. And they all marveled. That dude couldn't contain it. How can we? How can we possibly contain? I mean, honestly, here's my questions for you this morning. Number one, if you're bound by something, why do you want to stay that way? When you, when you look at the scripture and go, you know what? Uh, how, how can I look at the scripture and go, 
You know, God's word says I'll be full of joy. It says that I'll be, I'll have happiness in my life, even during trials and troubles. And that my heart's desire will be to, 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 to go out and declare it, not, well, I need to go through, you know, a three year Bible study plan so that I can go out and share the gospel. Like, no, you don't. You just need to go out and say, when people look and go, oh, you don't got all churched up. No, 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 I ain't got churched up. Let me tell you what I got. Let me tell you about the one who radically, totally changed my life, transformed me, filled my heart with joy, took away that junk that I thought was God and gave me who the real God was, took away the death in me and gave me life, moved me away from the dead people. Now I'm living among the lie, the living, okay? He's not here no more. He's left. And, and so, so in all that, man, God's people, and if you're not there, if you can say, I can contain the gospel, I can contain my joy, I'm not excited about Jesus. Man, you got so many chains on you, it's eating you alive. It's eating you alive. And, and the question is, do you want to be free? Do you, do, do you want to be... You ever heard that Casting Crown song? I asked Cody, I don't know if he can. I asked Cody, I love you to sing that song. If you haven't, go back and listen to it. It's this story. Casting Crown sang a song years ago. And, 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 and it says, do you want to be free? Lift your chains, I hold the key. Man, God wants to set people free. We've bought into the lie of sin. we bought into the lie of the devil. we bought into the lie of the American culture. Say, so how, how can I know if I'm bound? Let me ask you this. Is the life you're living centrally revolved around your friends and your family? Or is what you're involved in totally consumed you in so much that you're away from home, away from family, away from what God's will is in your life, away from joy, away from happiness, away from the kingdom, away from focused on God's glory in heaven. I have to say, there's got to be people here that are so bound up because when you're free, man, you just want to praise God and worship and declare it. That's what this man did. I'm not talking about man. I'm just talking about that's what everybody in the Bible did. The cripple at the at the gate, beautiful Acts chapter three, when they healed him, what he did he walked in there, walking and leaping and praising God? There's something about the freedom that Jesus gives you when He sets you free that it sets everything free. And not only does it slam the door of the devil, but it opens the door of praise to God. If you don't have that, what has you bound? And how long will you continue in that? And why would you? I'm going to ask you to stand where your head bowed this morning. We're going to give you an opportunity to be free. Man, it's just between you and Jesus. And, and my prayer for you this morning that you just run to Him and humble yourself to go, God, you know, I ain't saying you're going to... Life's going to change overnight. But what I am saying is your heart can change and that's going to lead to life changing. So let's have a word of prayer. <coughs> Lord God, I love you, and I thank you so much, Lord, that, that you don't leave us bound. That you, you, your desire is to set us free. Your word says that that we can know the truth, and, and your your truth sets us free. And God, that you would you start today, Lord, to restore the joy of your people, God, that the reality that we are so loved, God, that you have such an amazing life for us, that your desire is for us to to have love and peace in our family and in our church, God, that we would be so excited that we can't contain it. We begin to proclaim it, Lord, that we wake up each day just loving you, God, overwhelmed by your goodness and your love in our life, Lord, that that your spirit fills us, God, and 
And everything that the devil does to come against us, God, we, we can praise you in that. And he has to bow and walk away. Lord, I pray for victory today. God, I pray that people humble themselves, Lord, and, and, and that he would have to let go of the areas in lives, Lord, where he's, where he's got shackles, Lord, and chains. I just pray, God, you'd move in, in hearts, Lord, and wrestle with people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Dark and I-